Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show, radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. Good morning, Mr. Benny Mathers. Hi there. Hi there. Hi there. Hadley Doodley. Let me turn on my cam. There it is. Big heart. Big heart. Whoa, big you. hearts to there you. I love Hadley Doodley. <laughs> I love that. Hadley Doodley. I don't know why I say it. I guess it's just kind of a, an upbringing of uh, Ned Flanders, you know, from The Simpsons, which is, I, I still think is the longest running television program in existence right now, too. And it's anime, which is even more yeah. impressive. Yeah, how long has that been going? I'm trying to remember because it's all. It seems like it's always been there. I mean, um, I know since the '90s uh, yeah. for sure. I mean, I don't have that fact at my ready. Uh, however, I think you could beat that record. Um, I, have, I have faith. We'll give it. A, we'll give it a go. So we yeah. can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, so uh, we're getting close to um, <clears throat> Valentine's Day. Ooh. It's next week. Uh, I'm just. <laughs> putting a little teaser out there in case people have been too focused on the Super Bowl to think about, you know, uh, Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> that silly little thing. Okay, so while you were talking about that, I mean, we will talk about the Super Bowl if you want, but it's not a huge deal. It's just more about, like, commercials and food and having a good time. Hope everyone is yeah. safe. But yeah, I it's did, about family. Yeah. Right, yeah. but I did look up the start of The Simpsons. Actually, it debuted on April 19th of 1987. <gasps> Oh my on, gosh. Yeah, on the Tracy Ullman show. So it actually was before that, but I mean, it's still going strong. I mean, uh, it's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. And of course, um, you know, uh, we, we always look at, I say we, me and my friends, oh, yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. So we talk about the predictions of yeah. the Simpsons, right? You know, so <laughs> it's always kind of fun. It's I'm like, I'm uh, impressed on how much the, the creative content they can still come up with. I mean, you'd think yeah. they'd be like running out of stuff, but no, they just continue to churn and burn, keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. Those writers, those people that do that, those creative people, woo, big kudos out to you. They I really mean it. Very and important, very important. Very important. Yeah, we need that. We need that energy in our life. Yeah, so you got big for plans sure. for the Super Bowl then? No, just getting together with friends. Oh, okay. And and that's really the, the big deal, right? In Can a moment, I'll talk further. about the astrology of Sunday, which ah. to me is very interesting. Okay, so I'm going to listen and intently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're okay. Really, mm, let's see. Mm, <laughs> don't put any bets out there. Oh, that's the whole point. <laughs> I like the side bets, though. I don't know, or the the prop bets is what they call them. On like uh, what sports drink and color is going to be poured on the winning coach, uh, the down to the even the flipping of the uh, starting of the coin, how long wow. the national anthem is going to run, like with down to the <laughs> seconds. You can bet on all of those things. I love it. That's I actually impressive. do. Yeah, I think it's kind of fun. Um, my. Uh, my dad and and one of my brothers-in-law used to have a one dollar bet uh -huh. on who was going to win. Just one dollar, just one. Even just with one inflation dollar. and all that, <laughs> it's, one it's stated at all. All right, well that's 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 good love right there. You can bet on how think, many. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> there might have been other things going on, but you know. That's, oh, all right. You know. See, I, I knew know. there was something on the side. I was trying to like <laughs> anticipate that thought, but I mean, you guys can bet on me on how many wings I'd, I'm going to eat on Sunday. So, like, I mean, Whoa, I don't okay. know. I don't know if, right. it's, if they're going to be there, but if they happen to show <laughs> up, just saying, I might get my wing on. <laughs> okay, I want to know next next week. I want to know. All right, how I'll, many wings? I'll get a number. Did I, Benny eat 
on Super Bowl probably. Sunday. Okay, everybody. Hopefully right. they can roll me out of there. You know, send that in. You know, if you're watching live, you know, just send that little piece of information. I probably in. sound like wing juice hanging like, <laughs> from hanging from my my beard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, I hope everyone's having fun. Uh, I am Loretta Brown. I'm the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the greater Seattle area for, I don't know, 28 years or as something As long as like the that. Simpsons. I mean, really. <laughs> oh, my goodness. See? Me and the Simpsons. We've been going. Yeah, well, that's funny. That is just about right. All that right. is funny. Yeah, I don't know. Ironic convergence. Something was going on. Um, yeah, so you can find out more about me at ReikiOasis.com. You can schedule everything at schedule.ReikiOasis.com. And this month, which is February, <laughs> the Temple of the Divine Feminine will be meeting on February 24th. So let's get into astrology. Wow, wow, wow. So much going on. Right now, all planets are direct. They have been direct from the end of January, and they will go be direct all the way through April, which means go, 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 keep going, all all steam ahead, whatever that saying is. And uh, on Friday, which is tomorrow, February 9th, we have a beautiful new moon in Aquarius, and it's heralding this massive surge of Aquarian energy, prompting us to embrace freedom and authenticity in our lives. And uh, as I've mentioned, January 20th, Pluto moved into Aquarius and so we're going to get a big dose of this uh, planetary placements, which the last time that this was around was, oh, you know, during the uh, signing of the Declaration of Independence, uh, the American Revolution, the French Revolution, nothing was going on on planet Earth. So let's see how we do going through these same planetary placements again. So change may come abruptly. Be aware of that, urging us to adapt and flow with unpredictable currents of life. And amidst this upheaval, we have some really great energies coming from Chiriclo and Chiron, which are trying to help us heal personally and collectively. So the upcoming Aquarius new moon uh, tomorrow heralds not only the beginning of the lunar new year, but the onset of the year of the dragon the wood dragon in Chinese astrology. Come on, dragon. This celestial event carries profound implications as the year of the dragon is traditionally considered to be a fortuitous time, promising opportunities for growth, prosperity, and the overcoming of obstacles. In the realm of Chinese astrology, the dragon symbolizes power, strength, and good fortune. While challenges may arise during this period, they are believed to be catalysts for personal development and evolution. And under the auspices of the Year of the Dragon, individuals are encouraged to approach adversity with resilience, as these trials can ultimately lead to newfound confidence, purpose, and success. The alignment of the new moon with the lunar new year invites introspection into the realm of emotions. So you might have some old stuff coming up, um, old sentimental things, finding old diaries, thinking about how am I feeling about what's going on and so forth. So remember to do all that beautiful self-care stuff and reach out if you really need help. In astrology, the moon symbolizes our innermost feelings and our emotional landscape. So it becomes imperative to assess how we're, how we're really doing. 
The moon also is a beacon of security and comfort and it's called the great illuminator, although this is a new moon, which means you won't see it, right? This is the best time to be setting the seeds of what it is that you want to uh, have, what kind of a world you want to live in, right? We do have some interesting aspects. We've got the influence of Pluto in Aquarius at the zero degree of Aquarius. So we're right at the beginning of that new energy. And uh, this is transformative energy. Pluto, the planet of power, death, and regeneration, the lord of the underworld, amplifies the Aquarian qualities of innovation, progress, and individuality, and death. Pluto brings death to things. Anytime it changes from one sign to another, it will, well, let me put it this way. If there's something in your life that's been blocking where blocking you, or there's just something that it's time for it to go, it will go. And this is a time when we need to be, you know, very compassionate and caring and just, you know, reaching out to get help, which my guest today is going to help you with, right? So the cosmic alignment of Pluto and Aquarius cycle, which will be here for the next 20, 21 years, is going to shape our collective consciousness, right? And it's bringing us into a, a, a moment of we the people, freedom, unconventional thinking. So there's going to be intensity and upheaval, which, um, <clears throat> yeah, so which brings me to Sunday, <laughs> February 11th. What's happening? Well, we have the convergence of Chiron, the great healer, and the North Node in Aries. And it this placement is there for a while, but Sunday is the peak of that placement. And it's a significant event. It amplifies the healing properties of the new moon as the wounded healer represents the journey of transformation through pain and suffering. And as it aligns with the North Node in Aries, the point of destiny and future growth, there's a pro profound opportunity for deep healing, but there's also a profound opportunity for the unexpected to happen. <gasps> I know. See, so, I told you it's the Super Bowl. This is a... <laughs> Woo! Told you there's a major event. There is a major <laughs> event. So uh, this is going to, it brings in this powerful energy of, like I said, sudden change, uh, but humanitarianism or social progress and uh, conduit for healing. So like I said, anything could happen. I don't know um, what people hope happen, but do be on the edge of your seats and have fun, right? It's really about family as far as I'm concerned, family and laughing and in these times of great change. Boy, oh boy, do we need to figure out how to bring that balancer in. So um, this is a great time to really set your intentions. And also, I hope people are going to do some things to celebrate the Chinese New Year. Um, there's all kinds of things here in the greater Seattle area, and, and I don't have a list of those things because I'm not in charge of those things. But um, do something fun. The Year of the Dragon is associated with the color green. Green, the element of wood, nurturing the heart. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe wear some green, you know, a little bit wearing a green, maybe some green will come in like money. That'd be good. Ooh, I like that one. That. Yeah. So, well, maybe you should bet. Uh, never mind. I'm going to get out of it on now. What? <laughs> you mean the Super Bowl? <laughs> it's just right there. 
It is. Okay. It's just right there. Yeah, it's just right there at any given moment. Yeah. Now, on Tuesday, February 13, heading into Valentine's Day, Mars enters Aquarius. Mars enters Aquarius. Mars, the ruler of Aries, right? And joins Pluto at that zero degree point of the zodiac of Aquarius. So these are big alignments. So we're infused with passion and power. And the energy encourages us to be, get motivated. You know, come on, people. You've been thinking about doing these things for a while. Come on, get the energy to do it. Get the motivation. Get up and go do it. Uh, however, I want to point out to you, because this energy is already here, and so it will be going through a hot Super Bowl Sunday <laughs> and all these other things going on. Wait, what did you but say? <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday? That's happening? Amazing. <laughs> Had no idea. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> uh, oh my God, Betty, that's too fun. My bad. Anyway, yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. No you making me laugh and we really need it. Yeah. Anyway, it's important to navigate this energy that's here mindfully because it can bring volatility, it can bring power struggles, and uh, people can go at each other with this kind of energy. So, um, you know, it's okay to be assertive. You don't need to be aggressive. And uh, that's probably a whole show. Anyway. <laughs> oh my gosh, I just love that so much. And now it is time for me to bring my guest on the show. And, and she is a wonderful person. I have Emily Thoreau Threat as an author, podcast host, a facilitator of the Grief and Happiness Alliance. I love that. In life, we all experience grief, and much of the time we feel alone in our grief, and we don't know where to get help. Emily was like that when her husband Jacques died, and when her second husband Ron died, grieving was still tough, but she was much better prepared for it. She'd been through some stuff. So through her personal experiences, she authored Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief and the Grief and Happiness Handbook, offering compassionate guidance for reclaiming life after loss. Emily's work extends to the Grief and Happiness cards. I can't wait to get them. And the Grief and Happiness podcast, where she shares insights on navigating grief with resilience and finding joy amidst the journey. Emily, thank you so much for your patience during our our opening silliness and welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you. Oh, thanks so much for the invitation. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about, in my opinion, a, a subject, grief, death, that I think is, I don't know if I want to say it's a taboo subject in our in our culture, but it kind of is, it's awkward. So what, what inspired you to write the grief and happiness handbook and, and your other book too, right? Which I happen to have sitting right here because I <laughs> had it a while. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Living and loving through grief. So what inspired you to write the, the book? Give us a little bit of your background history. Okay. Um, I taught writing at the university level for for many years, and Ron died. Uh, he was my second husband to die. When he transitioned, I I started writing for myself a lot because 
I, I didn't know what to do at that point. He had uh, lived on Maui long before he knew me. And he when he realized that his a transition was going to be coming in the relatively near future, he really wanted to go back to Maui to live. And so we came here. And it I'm really glad we did. It was it was a wonderful two years before he did transition. But when he did, I wasn't really hooked up with the island yet because <clears throat> I'd been oh, excuse me. Uh, I'd been taking care of him and being with him for those two years. And I thought, what am, what am I going to do? What am I supposed to do now? I'm in a different place. Uh, my life is totally changed in so many different ways. And, and writing was comfort for me. So I wrote quite a bit journaling, sort of writing every day, first thing in the morning. I still, every day, first thing in the morning, I do my writing. And I realized that things were helping me that I was writing. And I thought, you know, as, as a teacher, a writing teacher in LS, I <laughs> thought it would be good to invite people who were dealing with grief and loss to see how they could use writing to help them too. So I started uh, writing through, through grief a program. And at first it was uh, on ground. I, I, put a notice on meetup because I didn't know that many people on Maui <laughs> and said, if you want to learn how you can use writing to help you with your grief, come on over to my house. And they did. And it was really a, a, a wonderful experience. Well, during this time, uh, several months after Ron transitioned, a really good friend of ours just died suddenly. And he, he lived on the mainland. He lived just, his family lived a couple blocks away from where we lived in Ventura, California. And when he died, he was so much younger than we were. I was very concerned about his wife because she wouldn't have had even the thought of what would happen if my husband died. And I, lots of people give lots of different kinds of uh help they think to people <laughs> who are in that situation a lot of times it's not helpful at all and I wanted to help her navigate through all that somehow and so I decided I would write her once a week for the whole first year of her uh, loss and each time write a little something that would help her in some way that was related to her grief so once I decided to do that, I thought I'd better make a list because I'm not sure I can come up with 52 different ways to help somebody when, when they're dealing with loss. And I sat down and I actually kind of easily wrote the list of all the different things that I could think of. It helped me, could help somebody else, different ways to help. And I got to looking at it after I wrote it and thought, you know, that as a writer, I said, this is an outline. And it would be an outline for a book. So I uh, decided to get an agent uh, and, and write that book with 52 chapters, one for each one of the cards. And that turned out to be way too long for one book. And so we divided it into two books. So Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief has 26 chapters, as does the Grief and Happiness Handbook. You know, that is... Um... That's wonderful. It's a wonderful story. Um, 
I always feel that there's some sort of naturalness to it, you know, out of our hearts and out of our desire to help or whatever we're going through that to be able to reach out and help other people. Um, I just thank you for that. And, and I think everybody needs to hear it, right? I think that we need some help when, um, you know, cause you have lost two husbands and I, I, I want to ask this question. I, I, I kind of think I know the answer, but you know, we, we all deal with a certain amount of grief where there's going to be a time when people die, right? Things go away, whatever the deal it is, but the death of a spouse, um, I was thinking about this, um, the other day, what are some of the unique challenges of the death of a spouse? Because you're really in each other's lives is what I want to say. Yeah. Yes, I, I understand that question. And it, it is different. I've had lots of people die in my life, a whole lot. My parents were much older when they had me. And so not only are, have they been gone for a very long time, um, the rest of my family, there's only a, a couple of us left. I actually talked to one on the phone yesterday and we were talking about that, that, that we're glad that we can still talk to each other because people just aren't there. But as as everybody knows, your relationship is different with anybody besides your your spouse or, or your partner, whoever that is that you spend most of your time with, um, even breathing the same air, sleeping in the same bed, that constant companionship. And when that goes, it's just a shock to your universe in a way that all those other griefs, I had them, you know, all, all different kinds of losses you grieve from. But even with all those, it's, it's just totally different with a spouse when you suddenly find that you, you don't have somebody to talk to those, you know, just little things, little conversations. You don't have somebody to hold your hand or give you a hug when you need it. Yeah. The physical kinds of comfort that feels so good. And you really lose that a lot. But most people that I've talked to who've lost a spouse feel that it's, it's, uh, it's life changing. Your whole world changes. And it's a lot to get used to, and it's important to pay attention to. You can't just, you know, go in your bedroom and close the door and let the world go on. Well, you could, but that wouldn't serve you, <laughs> wouldn't really help you at all. So that, that's kind of the way it is. It, I know with, with me, both times it was that way. After, after Jacques died, we'd been married for 22 years, and I just didn't know what to do. He'd been sick so long, and one thing that happens when people have an illness that, that lingers is at the beginning, you all the people you know support you, and they're there for you. And the longer you're sick, the further away they get. And by the time both of my husbands were, the last two years of their lives were very challenging. Ironically, they both died from the same thing, and I didn't have any idea the second one was going to have that when we got together. Uh, so the, a lot of the experiences were similar. But when he died, I was really, I felt alone, 
tons of people showed up for his his celebration because lots of people loved him but they were showing up for him as opposed to showing up for me and they didn't show up for me afterwards it's like they'd already mm -hmm. dealt with that and they were going on with their life because they've had a long time to be dealing with it yet for me everything was fresh and new and i spent a lot of time just sitting uh not having any idea what my next step was going to be so the that was hard to get through. I finally found a, a really good way to get through it that, that helped me a whole lot. And it made me open up to the rest of my life so that when I did meet Ron, which I had no intention of ever getting married again, but when I did meet him, I was able to be open to a new relationship. And that was really great. So I had a lot of like uh, experience that was kind of ammunition after Ron died, knowing that he was on that path. I was doing preparatory or anticipatory grief. And when he died, I kind of felt the same way right at the beginning. There's there's a, a shock to your system that you have to adjust to. Yeah. And it's not instant, even though you think you're prepared, it, it doesn't just happen instantly. But I was able to start writing in particular that really helped me through after Ron died. And I have really become an advocate of using writing for that. Wow, I so appreciate you sharing all that. I, um, you know, dealing with grief myself and also knowing, you know, having lots of clients dealing with it um, now and through the years, we really need these conversations. Um, I think it's very, very, it's one of those things where I actually have people say to me, Loretta, what do I, how do I help someone? What do I say to them? Because people don't know what to say. And they'll say something like, well, you know, I, I'm sorry for your loss or, uh, well, you know, now they're not suffering anymore or they're in a better place or, well, you know, death doesn't really exist. You know, they say these things and... <laughs> It's not really helpful, is it, Emily? That's right. It's not helpful at all. <laughs> and it can uh, unintentionally be hurtful. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the thing to keep in mind when you go to say something to somebody who's dealing with loss. And I always say that the best thing that you can say is to talk about their loved one. Yeah. And you can say something like, uh, I'm I'm really going to miss Ron. I, I really loved how inspirational he was. And whenever we'd have a conversation, I'd it just feel refreshed and, and renewed in, in my path and in what I wanted to do because our conversations would be so deep. Can you imagine having somebody say that to you? Then he's rather than saying something like he's in a better place. Yes. I, for me, the better place was with me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> off away from me so it, it's it's a, a think before you speak sort of a thing and think about what you'd like to hear and people you, you a lot of times people don't use the person's name or don't talk about them because they're afraid they're going to make the person who's grieving sad well guess what <laughs> they're already there you're not going to make them any more than they are and people really do love to hear about their loved ones. Okay. And if you can't 
think of something to say. We've all heard that saying, don't say anything at all. But be there. Listen. Hold her hand. Let them talk. Or let them sit in silence with you, feeling your support. Yes. Yeah, I want everybody to go back and write this down somewhere <laughs> and really, really, I really mean it and really take a look at it so that you understand that I, I agree with you. Um, having someone say, yes, wow, what a beautiful person he or she was and here's a memory or um, the other part of this and um, we're going to take a station break and then we'll probably come back and talk more about it. But the other part of this for me is how kind of like what you know when it happens people show up and then they disappear and and I'm going to leave this as something for us to talk about when we get back this idea that are are you over it you're over it right yeah you're done right you cried and now we're done grieving and um I know you have a lot to say about that we're going to take a station break but one comment I'm going to say is you never get over it you you don't and uh, it changes and evolves. So anyway, um, I can I want you to speak to that. But we're going to take a little station break right now. This is Loretta Brown. My amazing guest today is Emily Throat. She has written a couple of really great books, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief and the Grief and Happiness Handbook, which she's got pictures of behind her there on her screen. And uh, please don't go away. Um, we have lots more to talk about. We'll be right back. Do you make a positive difference in the world? Do you have a talent, philosophy, base of knowledge, product or service that you know could help a lot of people if only you could reach them? Join Alternative Talk 1150's family of broadcasters and start walking down a fruitful path. As host of your very own program, dial 425-653-1150 and find out just how affordable it can be to have a show on 1150 AM. That's 425-653-1150. Alternative Talk, we have an opportunity waiting just for you. Energy is powerful. It's all around us, mysterious, full of potential. Directing positive healing energy to raise your vibrational rate through Reiki can change your life. Reiki master Loretta Brown has relieved stress, sadness, anger, and even helped clients lose weight, stop smoking, and end sleep disorders. Worldwide, people have sought out Reiki Oasis. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. Every person with a disability deserves equity in education, employment, and their community. Sherwood Community Services takes pride in serving all people with disabilities and their families since 1957, including in rural areas and non-native English-speaking communities. Sherwood provides service in Snohomish, Skagit, and Island Counties. Sherwood is open for referrals for telehealth and virtual support for children and adults with disabilities. To find out more, visit SherwoodCS.com. Org. Sherwood, believing in abilities. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. Aw, that's lovely. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown Show with my wonderful guest, Emily Thoreau-Threat. We are talking, she's the author of Lo Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief and the Grief and Happiness Handbook. I want to remind everybody that these shows are recorded and you can download them for free at the archives at 1150 uh, AM KKNW, the original Loretta Brown show. We're also on iTunes, Podcast One, Spotify X, Megaphone, YouTube, 
and audible and all over the place so please go and check it out and listen to the show again and be sure to uh, watch the other shows i've got lots of great shows and i i always try to bring something that will help you and you can reach out to my guests and uh, get help from them or read their books right which will really help you so um yes so we're talking about what happens when someone dies and there's a certain awkwardness around all of that and where do you want to jump in there emily because i was saying some things before the break and i know you can speak to it yeah um there's there's so much to speak yeah. to in in this sort of a thing and i i think awareness is is a really big thing to think about you mentioned how long you grieve and it's, people ask me that all the time and people a lot of people have something made up in their minds of, of what's appropriate and what's not i had one person tell me that they they only had like two days of bereavement leave from their job and when their loved one died they were able to have the day of the the funeral and the day after and then they had to go back to work the next day and when that person went back to work sitting at her desk she couldn't she had a hard time she was kind of sniffling and had the tissue there by her and she was doing the best that she could but it was almost an impossible situation and her boss came over and he said aren't you over that yet and I thought, my gosh, <clears throat> how could anybody be so insensitive? But people are, especially people that haven't dealt with a lot of loss themselves. And some people have the kind of personality that they're they're kind of egocentric in that what happens with other people doesn't matter a whole lot. But like that, that person's output toward her job was more important to the boss than that person. Yeah. So yeah. when anybody asks me how long grief lasts i say as long as you're still here because whoever it is that you loved is still going to be in your heart the whole time but it's a different kind of intensity and that's that's a really important point to think of i had somebody just the other day that she said when somebody told me that grief lasts for the rest of your life i was overwhelmed i thought i i can't do this for the rest of my life but it's not the same thing as that immediate grief that, that comes with loss. And it evolves in the process. And you get to the point where you can just um, have, a, have a moment. Like Ron and I had a song. And for a while, that song was popping up all over the place. It was on a TV, actually two different TV commercials at the same time. It was it was during when uh, the show Blackish, which we used to watch together and, and really enjoyed their final episode, that song played them out. And I, you know, did tears come at times like that. And that's okay because you, you still have that. But that doesn't mean that you have to dwell exclusively in that. And that's why I brought happiness into the equation because I kept seeing people they were trying to deal with their grief to feel better, but they didn't have a specific goal. And so I, through uh, Marcy Shymoff, wrote a book called Happy for No Reason. And I had read that and I thought, this is what's missing. 
that people aren't dealing with happiness. They don't think that they can ever be happy again once they've, they've lost a loved one. But you can, and you can grieve and be happy at the same time. And I've, I've built everything that I'm doing now. It started with just grief in general, but now it's uh, gone toward grief and happiness. And when I tell people that I'm happier now than I ever have been, they're really surprised because they say, you had two husbands die. How can you say that? And in my heart, I know they'd want me to be happy. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so grateful that in the, what I feel that I'm doing to serve others has brought me that kind of happiness that just keeps constantly expanding. And I look forward to that. Doesn't mean I'm that I miss them any less. Doesn't mean that they're not, or that they they're going to come back into my presence or something that that's not what happens but i find different ways to help deal with that that can help people so don't don't feel like it's a life sentence so to speak to be dealing with grief um it's it's a a love of your life that you get yes. to keep yes well wow, that brought so many things to mind uh first of all um you can be grieving and you can be happy at the same time i want to dive into that in just a minute but i want to make this comment so many people come to me and they're hanging on to uh their grief uh that because it, if they let that grief go there's this some kind of an, a tangled idea that they're letting that person go or they're being disloyal to the memory of that person or something yeah can you comment on that i th that's yeah. so true it becomes it becomes your identity that you're you're the widow yes and i know that after jacques died i told myself that people weren't contacting me because they were thinking of me like as the black widow and that was something i made up you know? Wow. That okay. that wasn't really true, but it, it just right. it came to me and that's kind of where I stayed. And and when I felt like they were seeing me as a threat in some way, I was not comfortable in, in reaching out to them. I was waiting for them to get it and see that it's okay to I'm still here, I'm still me. It loved me. But at the same time, when you're thinking of yourself as untouchable then that's what you become yes untouchable the black widow wow that's uh, quite the realization there by the way emily yeah yeah almost like you've got it written across your forehead or something and so this idea that you can be happy and grieving and um yeah so what kind of things we were talking during the break about the lack of self-care sometimes like when people are in active grief or this very potent shock you know that happens right at the beginning where they can't get out of bed they can't think straight they can't put two senses together they don't brush their teeth um what what is the what can someone do um, to help themselves during that time or if you know someone that's grieving What's what's your advice? Uh, my best advice is uh, with something to do, do something. 
because it it that sort of feeling that sort of isolation comes from not doing something if you want to do something for somebody <clears throat> what popped into my mind when you said that was that i was sitting in my house after ron died i wasn't getting out i i just it was kind of beyond me to figure that out and one of my friends just dropped by one morning and she said we're going to the beach <laughs> i said well, I don't know. Yeah, she goes, you're going to the beach. <laughs> you know, she didn't take no for an answer. She knew that I wasn't being up and around very much. So she she brought a beach chair that she could um, put in the sand. And she, she went for a walk. And I sat in that beach chair and just watched the ocean. And just breathing in that air, seeing that beauty, kind of relaxing in a way that wasn't happening inside my house because my house was full of grief. Yeah. And I needed to step away from that to catch my breath. Yes. Yes. Um, I love that, by the way. Um, you know, oftentimes people will do things like say, well, how are you doing? And Don't say I, actually, that. <laughs> I hate that question. <laughs> Don't ask me how I'm doing. I don't know how I'm doing, right? Yes. <laughs> but the idea that that she's just coming over and she's like, okay, I'm kidnapping you and we're going to the beach. Um, I think that helping helping our loved ones, you know, get out and go do things, or if you yourself are the one that's having to do it because um, you're untouchable, you know, um, to be able to keep yourself going, your, your books are going to really help people. Um, I want to bring into this equation, you live on Maui. Yeah. And there was a massive, terrible thing that happened there with the death of, uh, of people and also the destruction of a town. Would you talk about that a little bit? And I know that you're doing some things there to help with that grieving process, but yeah, please just share with us. Mm -hmm. Things like the wildfires that we experienced in Maui aren't something that you would anticipate. And people in general are not ready for something like that to happen. And you have no idea what you're going to do or how things are going to go when something like that happens. My experience was <clears throat> in the middle of the night, I started smelling smoke in, from, from my bedroom. And so I got up and went outside to look and see, you know, looked around my house first because it was it was pretty strong. And I couldn't see anything. And I went online trying to see <clears throat> what's going on. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm just getting over a cold. Me um, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it it was I kind of had to to wait it out until the next morning when things started being available about what was going on. And what a lot of people don't realize is that, yes, Lahaina, the community of Lahaina, burned to the ground in a very short period of time. There were fires all over the island, and the fire that was close to me, it was about two miles away, uh, it started before the Lahaina started, because it was, yeah. Lahaina uh, happened later in the day, and this fire started in the middle of the night. So, and the, the fire that was close to me, I live on the side of Haleakala, the volcano. And when on, on mountains like that, you have 
deep grooves on the way down. We, you know, when we make the volcano in school, it's always nice and smooth, but it's not that way. There's these deep grooves in, in the terrain and the, the fire gets caught down in there because the firefighters can't reach it and you just kind of have to let it burn itself out. And so that, that first fire that I experienced went on for well over a month until it kind of ran out of things to burn, burned itself out there. But it did, in the process, burn uh, homes and different things on on my side of the the island of country line. It's about a a half an hour drive for me. So I wasn't smelling that smoke, but I was smelling the other smoke. And I have an apartment in in my house here, and the person who usually lives there happened to be on the mainland, and she called me and she said, my friend's house, their neighborhood is burning, and they're they're being evacuated, and they they don't have any place to go because there's there's two of them, and they have two dogs and two cats, and they don't want to leave their animals behind. And while there were shelters open, they would take like one pet per person. And they they just weren't in the position to choose which one of their pets they were gonna take care of. And so she said, "Can since I'm not there, can they come stay in my place? And I said, sure, no, no problem. And they, they ended up staying about six weeks with me. And in their neighborhood, all but three houses burned all the way to the ground. And their house, their, their yard especially was, was the, the yard was destroyed. There was nothing left there. And the house was damaged and took a lot of remediation before they were allowed to get back in. And there was a lot of work once it was time to get back in. So that I was I was up close and personal with the fire from the very first day with having that. And it felt so good to feel like I was doing something, that I was helping yeah. somebody. And the outpouring of love from the people who live on the island was amazing. Now, we have tons of visitors on the island all the time. There are, they're just millions, literally, with a, the far outnumbers the, the number of people who actually live on the island. And with that, um, those people that live here, I, I looked it up because I, I was curious when all this was going on, how many what how could i equate that and i discovered that the population of the island was the population of the a town that i knew of in california that was a town it it wasn't like a city it wasn't that big of a place and that's the population of the whole island so uh the outpouring of love and support from everybody everybody pitched in and did something everybody was active People started, if, if their thing was cooking, they started cooking right away and finding places to take the food. They were cleaning out their closets because people didn't have anything. And so they, there were tons of things. There was one church that's real centrally located on the island that kind of opened itself up for a depository of things that people wanted to donate. And anybody that needed anything could go there and take whatever they wanted. And there was whatever they needed was there because people were so generous and donated things that you don't think of like diapers 
you know yes, yes. there were there were lots of things and they have tons of, they still have things there and people still are going there because people still don't have homes there's there's no way that that the current housing on the island could absorb an entire community and then we had people from off island that came like world central kitchen was here uh, feeding people and people in the food industry, especially the ones that, that lived in the Lahaina area that they didn't have a job anymore, just came down there and cooked and, and helped people cook. But when you think of it, the whole community, like your post office is gone, your dry cleaner's gone, your where you go out to eat, your job is gone. Everything was just gone. Wow. But the compassion and kindness, uh, the aloha spirit, so to speak, yes. it yeah. was and is plentiful here. And it it feels really good to yeah. be a part of that. Yes, I <clears throat> appreciate you sharing that. You you I want you to talk a little bit about what you actually are doing with people and with the writing um your your the grief and happiness alliance um yeah and and i'm really getting the sense of the importance of community of working together i mean yeah please go ahead i know you have a lot to say okay well the grief and happiness alliance is is something that i came up with and i was trying to figure out how to do this um happiness equation and and what we did it, it's a long story, so I can't tell it to you all, but I got together with a bunch of people from across the country and said, let's try this out and see if, because usually when you say grief and happiness, people go, those two words don't go together, <laughs> you know? So I wanted to to see if, if I could convince people that they did. And we did like a pilot program and they loved the concept. And when we finished, I said, the thing is, I, I want to do this online so people from any place could come and i i want i doing something like that costs money there's there's cost in charge and i don't want to charge the people to come and have this kind of help i felt really strongly about that so they said well we'll just form a nonprofit organization and we'll cover everything and that will give the people who are coming a perceived value that somebody is paying for this for them like a scholarship to be able to come and get this support and so we did that. And what the Alliance does is we meet every week for an hour on Zoom and we write together. Then we break up into small groups and get to, everybody gets to tell their story and, and talk about it in those small groups. And then we come back together and kind of share from those groups, the overall things that people discovered. And then we learn a happiness practice and the writing prompts are different every week the happiness practices are different every week and it really helps so we've you know we're letting everybody know that that's that's available it's not just available to the people on maui but people on maui are coming and the other thing that the uh the grief and happiness nonprofit, uh, grief and happiness alliance nonprofit organization that's a Way too long, I realize now, but <laughs> <laughs> seemed good at the time. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> they, they've done something they call Maui Grief Relief, and that's that's on our website, which is griefandhappiness.com. And there, if people donate $25, then that 
equates a, a book, the Grief and Happiness Handbook, that we will give somebody on the island who's dealing with loss. It, they don't have Wonderful. to be from Lahaina because there's loss to do with this all over the island. And it's it's been a, a really nice thing. It's a way that people can contribute something that they don't feel like they've got to get out their checkbook and write a $5,000 check or something. They could each, if everybody donated a book, you know, it wouldn't take long before every person on the island had their own copy. Yes. So the it's called griefandhappiness.com. Mm -hmm. Okay. Griefandhappiness.com. Everybody just write that down. Go to it right now. Ch check Emily out and, and the beautiful work she's doing. And this Zoom call, this weekly Zoom call mm -hmm. for grieving and happiness, uh, it can be joined from all over the world. That's right. Okay. And right. right now, uh, our time, we've got a we did a, a survey to see what day and what time was going to be the best. And it turned out to be Sunday was the time most people could come. And it's, it's uh, right now 10 o'clock on, on Hawaii time, but that makes it noon on Pacific coast time and three on East coast time. And later than that in Europe, and we have international people every week that, that come, um, every place from New Zealand to Saudi Arabia. Last week, we had a couple of people from England and I think three people from Canada. And they they just, they all can come. And because we keep getting requests from other areas, we, and because I can only handle so many people at a time, <laughs> uh, we created a facilitator training program that we're in the, the middle of doing right now so that we'll have more facilitators that can do the kind of thing that I do with facilitating the individual groups. And our intention with that is being able to have the groups in different time zones. So they, they still can be on Zoom, but the different days and different time zones makes it more available to anybody. And if, if we had five groups going, you could go to all five of them if you wanted to on yeah. different days and different times. Yeah. And I want to point out, we're down to the, like the last 10 seconds or something of the show. Uh, I want to point out that grieving about anything, grieving mm -hmm. about the condition of the world, grieving about what's happened in the last four years, grieving about uh, people dying, passing away, maybe even unexpectedly or for why, you know. Um, so, yeah, Emily Thoreau-Driat, you have uh, griefandhappiness.com and also lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com. And one last word, super quick. Um, you can get through this and you can be happy while you're grieving. <laughs>